On today's episode, we sit down with a baseball team owner to find out how exactly his team sells out every single game they play. We cover everything from high-level strategies, like how he unites his team with an overarching purpose, to in-depth tactics, like how his organization structures salaries and does performance reviews. This one gets out of hand pretty quick. From Engagement, I'm David Millay, and this is Flip the Switch. You may recognize our guest today from his outrageous yellow tux that he seemingly wears everywhere. And you may even recognize some of the headlines his baseball team has created over the years, from the breakdancing first base coach to the professional high-fiver. Our guest today is Jesse Cole, the owner of Savannah Bananas. For those unfamiliar, the Bananas are the collegiate summer league baseball team that sold out 88 straight games at their 4,000-seat stadium. So how do they do it? Well, simply by being the most fan-centric organization in sports. Bananas take being customer-centric to the extreme. Jesse famously says about his ballpark, it's a circus and a baseball game breaks out. I wanted to get under the hood to find out some of the systems, processes, and mindsets that help Jesse and his team stay so fan-centric. Because if a collegiate summer league baseball team can consistently sell out a venue, that's an organization all of us can learn from. I knew the conversation was going to be wild, but it really exceeded my expectations. There were multiple points where I literally dropped my jaw or my eyes popped wide in surprise at how unorthodox but effective some of their practices really are. Before the conversation, I thought the bananas were more sizzle than steak. All that doubt was removed by the end of our conversation. The entertainment facade that you see in the headlines are really backed by sound customer-centric business practices. And that was only confirmed when, true to form, I received a handwritten thank you note from Jesse just days after recording the episode. Without further ado, please enjoy this wild ride with Jesse Cole. Jesse, welcome to the show. (laughs) Fired up to be with you, my friend. So let's jump right in. You guys have been selling out every game over the last couple of years. You've got 27 games, right? You're priced around $18 a ticket, and you guys are crushing it, even though it's really a collegiate summer baseball league, right? How have you guys been able to do that? <laughs> it's been, what, an overnight success that's taken 15 years to get us here, is what they say. So, yeah, I mean, we started in a low-level baseball. You know, you have Major League, AAA, AA, all these professional teams were college summer baseball, and we knew we had to be different. We knew we had to stand out. So we learned a lot with the team in Gastonia, North Carolina, our first team, tried everything because we realized people weren't excited about baseball. So when we came to Savannah, Georgia, we had to go big. And uh, we failed at first. And as many people have heard, I mean, the first few months we sold two season tickets. I mean, it was bad. I mean, nothing. Until finally we overdrafted our account just four years ago, completely out of money. My wife, Emily, looked at me and said, we have to sell our house. We emptied out our savings account. We put every little dime that we had left into the team because we were marketing like everyone else. We were trying to be like everyone else. And everyone was like, who are you guys? Baseball, the lowest level, we're not interested. And so it was then that we went dramatically different. Named the team the Savannah Bananas. Came up with a senior citizen dance team called the Banana Nanas. Break dancing first base coach. Had our players do dancing. Male cheerleading teams. Pep bands. Made an all-inclusive ticket. We literally looked at what is the problems with baseball and do the exact opposite. And then try to create what's that perfect fan experience. And uh, 
have a 1926 ballpark, David, at the old stadium. We're never going to have the nicest ballpark. We don't even have a digital scoreboard. We have a manual scoreboard. I mean, we're very bad at a lot of things, but we try to be the best at the uh, show and the experience. And fortunately, yeah, we've sold out every single game since. And 4,000 plus people a night, and my wife and I are sleeping on a real bed now, no longer on the airbed. So it's, it's come full circle. Well, it's interesting. I mean, just in in that statement and research I was doing before this this podcast, I'm like, there's a hundred ways that we can go with our time together. And I think about something that you just said about having a ballpark that's over 80 years old, 90 years old, and you still don't have a digital scoreboard. It's still manual. I think a lot of these teams that we end up working with or, or teams that are out there today look at their space and they say, well, we're, we're trying to keep up with Alabama or we're, we're trying to be the NFL team. And it's like, that's mm-hmm. not, you're spending your time in the wrong area. And you talk a lot about this. Yeah. Well, what, what makes you different? You can't compete with that. Know what game you can win. And so for us, we'll never win the best baseball team. We'll never win the best technology because we don't can't afford it. You know, it's, it's a much lower level. We've been bootstrapping since we started. And I think, you know, I love that bootstrapping philosophy. I love that startup. We still look to trade. I mean, my yellow tux that I wear every day, like we have a trade, like where I get it washed, clean year round. Because, you know, the idea of finding out how to, you know, be strategic in what you offer. And we know that a game that we can play is thinking about the show and turning it into a circus. And where we often start with teams and companies that we work with is, what's your PFT? What is your perfect fan testimonial? If you were to say, this is what you want them to say, we always say, hey, it's the most fun I've ever had a baseball game. It's like a circus in a baseball game broke out. And that guides us because we think we can be the only circus-like baseball game in the world. And that's what that's why we think about every character Everything that we have the players do, everything that's going on in during game, is it like a circus or is it just like a regular baseball game? And that's the game that we can win that we think we can be dramatically different than everyone else. Well, and I love it, too, because you've got this guiding philosophy of fans first. Right. And I think when it it comes to the way you guys have been able to innovate, you're not looking at other teams to innovate. You're looking at what is that perfect fan testimonial? And yes. what do we want our fans to say about us? So, yeah. so tell us a little bit more about the overarching fans first philosophy <laughs> that you guys have with Savannah Bananas. So I remember when we first started, so I, was, I think I called, I was like Team Cole and Associates. We sounded like a law firm or like another accountant or something. And that wasn't inspirational. And so we started thinking about, well, who are we and what do we stand for? And what do we want to do? And we really thought about fans first, entertain always. We want to put our fans first in everything we do, treat them like family, make them have the best experience. And then entertain nonstop. We're like, all right, let's name our company Fans First Entertainment. And then our mission, Fans First Entertain Always. And then we have our Fans First Way, which is our core beliefs. Everything is Fans First. It makes it very clear. I think so many companies have all these different core beliefs and values and missions. But who are you and what do you stand for? So now when we make a decision on how we ship merchandise, and for instance, we just announced all of our merchandise forever is free shipping. Always and forever, because that's fans first. We will bite the short-term cost to create long-term fans. And that's why we ship everything with yellow packages, with delivered fresh stamps on it, with like a big banana on it, with free koozies, with free decals, because we think about what is that fans first experience, even in our merchandise, let alone everything else in the stadium. And, you know, we can get into more details, but that makes it easy for us to map the experience, which I know that's your strength. We map every touch point. Is that fans first? And are we entertaining them always? Yeah, and I, I kind of want to get into those details, especially around the free shipping thing a little bit later. But I think where a lot of teams and organizations tend to make the mistake, to your point of, is creating these core values or creating this fans first way and thinking that it just applies to the guest services team. 
Mm-hmm. And in reality, it's not just about how we train people. It's about how do we incorporate this into our decisions every single day to your point with free shipping. So give us some specific examples of how this fans first philosophy gets talked about in a pricing meeting, right? When you guys made that, let's walk us through maybe as an example of that decision to go, we're shipping all our free merchandise or we're shipping all our merchandise. We're shipping it for free. Walk us through how that decision got made. It's easy because of the starting point. And I've heard so many speakers and we're constantly reading books. It's about friction points and that. So we always start with stop doing what your customers hate. Stop doing what your fans hate. And so we put ourselves in their shoes. And for every team that's that's listening, this is probably the best thing that we do that we learn so much. It's called Undercover Fan. And every night, someone on our staff, full-time, part-time, even myself, go completely undercover. We park with the fans. We sit with the fans. We wait in line with the fans. And boy, you better believe we take notes. Every single thing that we don't love, we write down. And we're saying, how do we make it better? And so to give you an example, like friction points, for four years... It was a shirt was 20 bucks, 25 bucks, and then you paid $6.50 shipping. But when you're going to buy a shirt, you see the price is $25. And then when you go pay for it, it's another $6.50. That sucks. No one likes that. No one gets excited about that. So we made that decision, which would hurt short-term profits, but we believe we'll have more people buying long-term. And we've now done it for one month, and we've had 25% more orders online than we had at this time last year. So... It's working. Now, is our margin smaller? You better believe it. But again, we're trying to create long-term fans. So we look at that. What is that parking experience? What frustrates people? Why did we make all of our tickets all-inclusive? Because no one likes getting nickel and dimed at a ballpark. That sucks. When you walk in, and excuse me, I'm saying, I've said suck twice now. This is, this is rare for me. <laughs> but walking into a ballpark and paying $8 for a beer, $6 for a hot dog, $5 for a soda, and at the end of the night, you're broke, is not a good experience. So we learned from the cruise industry. We love cruises. We take our staff on cruises to get to know the experience. All your food's covered. Your entertainment's covered. If you want to buy premium items, you can. And what's happened is that our per cap has doubled what other teams in the league are doing because people feel like, wow, I got everything free. I might as well buy a shirt. I might as well buy another beer or something. And, and that has been a win for us. And again, we failed at this day, but I want to go back to this. We failed in the beginning. Serving all you can eat. 4,000 fans, all you can eat burgers, hot dogs, chicken sandwiches, soda, water, popcorn, dessert. The lines were three hours long the first few games. It was bad. Mm-hmm. But if you want to create a great fan experience, you got to get through the bad. You got to get through the things that are going to be challenging to get to the good. And we realized that'd be worth it if we could just figure it out. And now people get fed in less than five minutes 10,000 pieces of meat in the first hour, and we figured out how to do it. it took four years to get there, but we're there now. So that's a great example, too. And I look at like what Mercedes-Benz has done. Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta did with their fans first pricing. Right. And I think a lot of people were, to your point, quick to copy that as saying, oh, look, they've seen success without realizing that we don't have the number of point of sales to be able to accommodate the uptick in demand of what people are looking for from an F&B perspective. So I guess something that that I want to key in on 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 the strategy decision making side of things your finance guy, how did you convince your finance guy that, hey, we're going to take lower margins on this shipping or, hey, on our on our merchandise, we're going to build it. In. How do you convince the finance guy to get on board with, hey, we're going to lose some of that margin and it's for the long term fan renewal? How do you get them on board with that? <laughs> That's a great question because uh, we're such a small company that we're all we all just say, hey, will this be better? We take a lot of chances. And I think here's yeah. the, the, the best thing that we've learned. Do and then learn. 
do and then learn. We went to Henry Ford Museum, uh, myself and our president, Jared. And when you walk into the museum, it says Henry believed in learning by doing. And I was like, yeah, you know, he failed in his first two car shops. I mean, they failed. They went out of business. And then finally he figured it out. We are constantly experimenting. I think so many companies are too afraid to experiment, but you can always adjust. You can just always, hey, we learned something. We adjust. I'll give you a great example. We did events, David. We were in the event business, all right? Um, because we said, hey, we have a stadium that's here 365 days. Let's go in events. So we started doing events like crazy. We did haunted stadiums. We did beer festivals, not normal beer festivals, tap of the morning beer festivals, because you can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. So we started doing morning beer festivals. We did food truck festivals. We did the running of the bananas, which was a 5K with hundreds of people in banana costumes. All these events. Sounds ton of fun. But they were only making a little bit of money. Now, on the end, it's like, all right, hey, it was profitable. But we realized what we were losing. We were having to sell. We were having to market these. We were to say, buy tickets, buy tickets, buy tickets. And going into fans first, what do people hate? People hate being sold. No one wakes up in the morning and says, you know what? I want to be sold today. Can someone market me today? You know, I want, I want some marketing in my life. I need some more ads in my life. No one wakes up and says that. We are sick of ads. We are sick of marketing. And we are sick of being sold. Yet we had to do that to try to get people to come to those events, which killed the brand. So we took away hundreds of thousands of dollars in events and eliminated it because we believe it'll build our brand, build more long-term fans. Does it make sense financially? Maybe not. But in the long run, we believe people are going to be more true. We love the bananas because they're not doing things that upset us. I love that. And I think that's a great example of one of y'all's mantras, which is really kind of whatever's normal, do the opposite, right? <laughs> I think that's just one more example. So give us some more examples of, of kind of how you've said, whatever's normal, do the opposite. <laughs> well, it's everything. So the first starting point was, and again, I think most businesses, what we'll do in one of our workshops, David, is we'll have them create a normal list and an opposite list. We'll have them create a boring list and a fun list. So what are all those normal things that happen? So for instance, for us, the first thing was the baseball players, they play. No, no, no. What if they danced? What if they actually did choreographed dances during the game? What if our players delivered roses to little girls in the crowd during the game? What if our players went on dates with fans during games? This all happens, by the way. What if our players did music videos, like Can't Stop the Peeling in Old Town Road? We looked at the players and saying, you know what? They're a part of the show. They're a part of the entertainment. When you put them in that type of environment, at first, well, how are the players going to do that? Here's what happens. When they become more popular, signing more autographs, people like them more, they are all in on it. So at first, they were like, what is this? But now they know, like, hey, I'm going for the bananas. I'm going to get more people on my Instagram. I'm going to get more people following me because I'm doing things that's not just hitting doubles and striking out players. So that was the starting point. But again, like, all right, the sporting team. Every team has pregame announcements. Every watch, watch for thrown and batted walls, concessions, bathrooms, you know, blah, 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 blah. That's normal. What's the opposite? We brought in an intern who could sing, and she sings it to popular songs. So smoking is prohibited inside Grayson Stadium. So please take it outside. There's a place in the front. Smoke if you want. Thank you for all your cooperation. Like she's like, I know the song because I heard it every night. <laughs> So again, those things, our hold music is ring, 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 banana phone. Our voicemail is Savannah, na, na, na. You've reached the Savannah, bananas, na, na, na. We look at all those normal moments and try to make them remarkable. And what are those normal things that no one's going to talk about make them special? And it's okay to be silly. Those are silly. We have parking penguins that park your car. People dressed up in... I love that. It doesn't make sense, but people think it's fun. And that's why this year we're doing 
we're going to do ballet valet parking. So we're going to have people dressed up in pink tutus doing ballet valet parking. Like this is part of our ideas. It doesn't make sense. It's not normal. But I'll tell you, we don't need any more normal in our life. We need fun. We need things that get us excited. That's our brand. I love it. And I I think that's honestly, as you think about fans first entertainment, right? That's a lot of what you're helping these other companies and other industries do is you're helping them infuse fun into their what might be a normal monotonous business, uh, if you will. A hundred percent. So so let me ask this. I mean, when we talk about some of these ideas, you're not looking at another team and saying, what are they doing? I, I think I heard your wife on one of y'all's most recent podcast episodes saying something along the lines of, we can't get ideas from our industry, so we've got to go to other industries. Yes. What other industries are you going to to get inspiration from? And maybe what other companies have you seen that you're like, man, I, I like learning from those guys? Yeah. And this has been, this is why I love going on trips. I call them research, whether we're going on a cruise or we're going to Disney or we're going to a uh, all-inclusive resort. Everyone looks at their, so many people look at their competitors. What's that team doing? Oh, we can do that. Well, that's not standing out. That's not differentiating. And, And I respect and admire so many of the sports teams and I know they're doing great things, but yeah, like the other day we were at an all inclusive resort and we were sitting at the pool and a woman came by with cooling towels and gave us cooling towels. We're like, that's brilliant. Like, why don't we have cooling girls that are walking around the stadium giving away cooling towels? Like, that you wouldn't necessarily get from a stadium experience, but you get it on a resort experience. And, you know, when we go to Disney or Universal, we see these pop-up performances. Like, all of a sudden, construction guys are starting to do stomp. Like, that's where we get the ideas for our band to start doing in the middle of the grandstand, start doing a whole, you know, performance. You get those ideas by being outside of your bubble. And I don't ever think that our teams are our competition. Our competition is Netflix, Disney, Amazon, the Ritz-Carlton. Our competition is people that are delivering great experiences. Our competition is people that are making it easier for our customers. Amazon, a one-click ordering, and what that's doing, like, yeah, everyone's used to free shipping, even though they pay $100 for Prime. If everyone's used to that and we're not providing it, we're losing. That's one of the reasons why we did free shipping. So, I don't know any other sports teams that are doing free shipping, but Amazon is given this mindset of it. So that's what people are used to. So I think that's how you grow as a company and grow as a sports team is you have to look completely outside your industry. Take those. You know, it's okay to replicate and duplicate them in yours because they become your own. Because if no one's doing it in the sports industry. You're so right. I mean, there's so many little low cost, no cost things like the cooling towels or like having the construction crew jump out and and do their dancing or a lot of the other examples you just named. Those are kind of these low cost, no cost things that you can get inspiration from, from other industries. I think you're probably one of the best pattern thinkers in that perspective of being able to do something like that. Well, yeah, you got to build a culture like that. I think that's so important. I'll jump on that. Like growing and hungry are two words, our final words of our core beliefs, always be caring, different, enthusiastic, fun, growing, hungry. We have a better book club where we're paying all of our people to read. We got this from Arnie Malham and worth doing wrong. And we have book reports and we pay people 50 bucks, 75 bucks, hundred bucks to read. We've paid out thousands of dollars because when we're reading, Wait, really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, just part of our library. This is one of our shelves that we have of our library. Yeah. It's huge. And so every week we're doing book reports and talk about pattern thinking. We're getting it from other businesses. Hey, we could apply this to our company. And it's not just watching sports shows, sports podcasts. It's, it's learning from the best in business. And our whole company does that. And we have 22, 23-year-old people that have never read, that really don't enjoy reading. But now they're like, oh, this is cool. How do we apply it? I'm going to go off on a crazy tangent now because you just said that. But what do performance reviews look like for people in your organization? <laughs> it's a great question. So 
two years ago, we let everyone on our staff dictate their own salary. So we let the entire staff say, hey, guys, we appreciate what you're doing. We want to empower you. Come back and say, what, what do you think is your best salary? And let's discuss it. And I was fortunate. I had an amazing owner, Ken Silver, when I was 23 years old in Gastonia. After my first year, we doubled revenue, tripled the fans. He goes, Jesse, what do you think your salary should be? As a GM, I was 24 years old. I was like, this is cool. And I said, all right, I'd like a $10,000 raise, but I'm going to bring in $100,000 more. And I'm going to do this, this, and this. He's like, perfect, do it. And I did it. So I was like, I started feeling like an owner and an entrepreneur at 24 years old. So we gave that staff that opportunity. And as you know, with sports teams, salaries usually start very, very low. And we didn't want to be we didn't want to be those guys. So we let everyone dictate and everyone chose between a 20 and 35 percent raise. And we said yes, everyone. And it was great. The next year we said, all right, guys, why don't we mix it up? Let's do all profit share. And we're going to shift to all profit share. And they were like, all right, cool, because we're in this together. And so what do our performance reviews look like? Every quarter we have a celebration dinner and we celebrate, we give out checks, we have uh, gifts, we make it fun. It's it. But we have check-ins the two days prior to that. And there's two questions that we ask. What's something that they've done that was most fans first over the last three months? What was something they noticed that they're proud of a peer that they did that was very fans first? And then we have them rate themselves on how fans first are they between one and five. Five is creating an epic story that will be told forever. Four is doing all of our core beliefs. And we profit share based on what are they doing that's fans first? What are those stories that created? I mean, we had one of our guys just this month came up with, he started doing a surprise pop-up lunch at a business. So literally a thank you lunch. We brought a grills in, we showed up and we did all this lunch, fed the whole company, those things like that's pretty cool. All right. This other one, 24 year old started doing lunches with our fans every Friday. We just go on our member page, say, hey, free lunch on me, going to grab lunch with you. 24 years old, going lunch with everyone. Another guy just decided that he's going to do a member thank you project where all of our members will write letters to other members, welcome them to the Bananas family and thank them. This is all coming out because of thinking, what are we doing that's fans first? And it makes me so proud to see these young people are growing every day, coming up with ideas. And that's how their performance reviews look like. If they keep doing that, the revenue, the fans, the numbers, it all take care of itself. I mean, one, we could keep doing this for forever because I just have so many more questions that are completely off topic and, and would go take us down different tangents. But I think a lot of people listening to this might look at it and say, well, how, how can you do profit sharing? How can you let somebody dictate their salary? They're just going to say that they deserve way more than they actually do. But I think to your point of actually having those kind of checks and balances of doing it based around how are you creating fans first moments, yeah. you're, you're creating this culture where if somebody's not about creating fans first moments and they come to work for Savannah Bananas, one, they would never do that. Even they would never even go through that interview process, I'm sure. But two, I'm sure they quickly get weeded out. Yeah, 100%. And everything's a small bet. This sounds so big and daunting. I know people are listening like, this guy's crazy. And, you know, yes, I wear a yellow tuxedo. <laughs> and yes, I'm pretty crazy. Everything's a small bet. Let me give you a real example. So the shipping that we decided. We looked yeah. at our what our shipping costs were last year and what it was to our total revenue. It was 3%. It was only 3%. So literally, if we took out all that shipping revenue that we made to cover our shipping costs, it was 3%. So if worse comes to worse, we don't sell any more orders, we don't do anything, we're down 3%, which we don't think is going to happen. We think we're going to get more people doing order, which we've already seen a 20% growth. So yeah. with the salaries, they were at low salaries, like sporting industry. We knew they would come something not too crazy. If they doubled, all right, we would probably talk about it. But it's all a small bet. And I think when you give those opportunities for people to feel like they're a part of something, that it's not just being told what to do, it's amazing what happens. 
And we just had an idea palooza uh, yesterday. We have them every, every month where the whole staff comes up with ideas based on a theme and we do them. We try them. And some don't work. Some are silly. But you know what? It, that's what makes it fun. And I think everyone, my biggest fear is being bored and settling and settling in business. And based on the numbers, millennials are leaving a job every 13 months right now. That's what I saw recently. And a, a person their whole life is leaving a job every 2.2 years. If people are bored, if they don't feel like they're contributing, if they don't feel like they're a part of something, they're going to leave. And I'm okay with them leaving, but I want to at least say, hey, you got to do some things. You got to be a part of something. You got to make decisions. And that's the bigger game that we're trying to play in making them the biggest fans. We want them to be huge fans of the company. It's not just our customers. If you do that, you win. And I think you win in business. Oh, I completely agree. And again, coming from Disney, right, for us, it was even when Disney was going through the process of letting people go, like I, I have friends that were let go and senior execs that yeah. you know, for whatever reason, as they got older, it was, it was time to go. You still hear them talk about it with a reverent. We do this yeah. when they were talking about Disney. And, yes. and that's what you want. I mean, your customers should be your big, yeah. your, your employees should be your biggest fans. A hundred percent. And then the question, I know you do this, David, you do the mapping. You work so much on the customer journey mapping. What we're working really hard is on the employee mapping. And how do you map the experience for them from when they first come in? How do you make it a huge celebration to even when they leave? And we had our first turnover last year. We had zero turnover our first three years. We had a first turnover. It was hard. It was tough. But what we said is, what would be the most fans first way to send them out? And it was hard because they left and we weren't expecting it. And we thought, how can we make it the most epic celebration? And each one on our staff wrote a thank you letter to the person. We read them out loud. We had a video done of all the highlights of them throughout here the last year. We gave them a plaque with their memories, their biggest accomplishments. And it was emotional. And we said, that's the way someone should leave. It shouldn't be like, see you later. Thanks for your time. And it was tough. But I'll tell you, when you map that whole journey for them, then they will think about it with the customers and your fans. And that's what we've been learning every day and practicing. Completely. Yeah. And I think to your point, you can take a lot of the same tactics that you're using around being fans first and apply it to your employees as, as kind of your biggest fans and being able to yes. map that process out. You're going to be a lot smarter because to that point, I mean, right, what a senior exec comes into the organization, what they need is very different than what an intern needs and et cetera. Yes. So one of the things I, I want to move us to is the bananas bigger purpose. I, I've heard you say multiple times, you guys really want to impact, make a big impact and change baseball as a whole, right? So talk to us about this larger purpose that the organization has by doing everything that you're doing. So, you know, Simon Sinek's been very inspirational with the infinite game. And when I first heard the why with him, I left a conference running out. And, I, you know, I think about that big purpose all the time. And it's a challenging question. It's a big question. We, we try to make it clear. Our big vision is to bring fans first to the world. How are we going to bring this fans first to the world? And whether that's with our fans first, you with companies and whether it's taking the show on the road, the bananas are having TV shows. There's all those ideas and things that can happen. Changing the game of baseball is a part of that, is, is a part of that. You know, changing the game of baseball, theoretically, some people have said we already had because we have breakdancing first base coaches and, and, and players that are dancing in the middle of the game. They say that's changing the game. It's kind of hard to define what that looks like. Will we continue to look at what are the friction parts? Friction points of baseball? Yes. Baseball is still too long. It's still too slow. And it's still too boring. And three hours is way too long. The game needs to be two hours, two and a half max. We still are going to keep fighting that because we're looking at that fan's first umbrella. If our fans are leaving in the fifth, sixth, or seventh inning and we're putting on a nonstop show, something's wrong. When was the last time you left a great movie in the middle of a movie? You know, it's been great. I've seen enough. All right. That happens in baseball. So that's, that goes into the fan's first umbrella. And, and, and how do we bring that to the world? We're going to have to continue to work on our own product, our own experience to get better. And baseball is obviously a big piece of that. 
Yeah, no, and, and I think that's such an important part, right? Is basing basically saying, hey, what are our fans looking for, and then how do we how do we adapt our business based around that? Well, let's think about this. I know this is probably something that you've thought about. I think some people listening to this episode might think. Hey, that he, he's able to do some of those things because they've got a small organization. Right. But I'm sure that you've thought about if I was running a major team or a bigger business, right? How might we scale this? You guys have worked with bigger businesses around consulting with them, trying to help them become more fans first. So maybe how would, how would you think about scaling this fans first philosophy or how have you helped organizations scale this fans first philosophy? Sure. I mean, and it's humbling for us. We're a small college summer team and to be working with some billion dollar brands and multi hundred million. I mean, we, we, we pinch ourselves. We're like, we're just having fun and, and making it a great experience. So it's, it's humbling to say the least, but everything we believe is small bets. And the best companies in the world know this. You know, if you look at any restaurant, big chain, they test things in little markets. We're constantly testing. So when we're working with a billion dollar retail brand, we'll start testing things, little pieces, like when they buy. You know, the buying experience, what happens? What's the celebration? And they'll test things in their stores. You know, we just started testing. I mean, at first, we just had players at the gate and they were think- they were welcoming the fans in the ballpark. Now we have our pep band and our barking penguins and we have people in banana costumes ripping your banana shaped tickets that are scratch and sniff and smell like bananas. And now we have our, our professional high fiver. We hired a six year old to be our high fiver that high fives every fan in the ballpark. Like it's a real <laughs> job. We pay him to high five. Like, we keep saying what's next, but it's taken 15 years, 10 plus in Gastonia and now in our fifth in Savannah. So with these big businesses, look at one area, one little piece of your business that you can turn from normal to remarkable. And what happens is once you start doing that, it becomes game changing in the organization because they're like, wow, that was awesome. I saw a fan say this, a customer say this. How can we do more of that? And the concept we're working with right now, David, in the next book is you wouldn't believe Three words that will transform your customer experience. And we've always said since the beginning, can we get people to come to our ballpark and say, you wouldn't believe what happened at the ballpark today. You wouldn't believe when I walked in what happened. You wouldn't believe when I left that I was greeted with free s'mores and the players giving me hugs and the band was playing music. And you wouldn't believe when I walked out, they actually had my car washed while I was washing the game, which we have done. We bring in mobile car washes and wash some cars while they're actually watching the game. And so we think of these you wouldn't believe moments. So now these companies that we're working with, all right, what's your you wouldn't believe moment that you're going to do this quarter or this year? How are you going to create those? And there can be simple things. Yeah, they can be simple things. They can be, you know, when someone buys a bike and, and, you know, can there be a big, really expensive bike? Can there be champagne in the water, in the water holders, which one company, you know, is done because they said, boy, this bike just needs some champagne with it. You have champagne in there. These little things that's like, wow, that's picture worthy. That's photo worthy. That's story worthy. And that's this you wouldn't believe concept that uh, I think every company can do. I love it. I think that's where some teams get into trouble is they think, hey, let's try all these different things at once. And it's like A-B testing when you're on when you're going digitally. You can't tell what works. Everybody's overwhelmed. Start small. That's good advice. I'll jump on that. Choose what you're going to be bad at. Every company should choose something that they're going to be bad at. So, for instance, and that's so tough to hear for an entrepreneur. All right? so tough. <laughs> I know. We are not good at digital, over-the-top stadium experience. And from a, from a suites, we don't have any suites. We don't have any premium seating. We don't have any digital experience. We are not good at it, all right? We are not – our food is, is average, maybe a little above average. We are not going to have steaks and, like, you go to Dallas Cowboys Stadium and they're going to have carving stations. That is not us. We are not good at that. We're okay at it. 
But what we try to be the best at is the show and the entertainment. And so every company, you try to be everything. No, choose what you're not going to be great at. And then choose, all right, this is what we're going to focus on. And I think that's so important. And we've learned that because you can't be amazing at everything and you'll just fail at everything. And we, we've had to learn that. We, oh, we're going to be so good at this. And it's like, we can't do that and do this. And it makes it easier for your company to focus. And that's why entertain always is a big part of that fans first, because that's what we focus on constantly is how are we entertaining at every spot? That's incredible. I mean, I think even for, for us, it's something for engagement that we've got to focus on a little bit more. Cause I, I mean, most of us are coming from Disney and at Disney, it's like, Oh, what did Disney do bad? Right. And it's just such a massive company. But now as we're a small agile team of, of six of us, right. It, it's a lot, it's a lot harder. We And I think we need to look internally and say, what are we okay being bad at? Correct. Uh, well, what, well, Disney's first theme park was what, 60, 70 years ago. Yeah. I mean, 1955 or 67. I have to look at it. I mean, I guarantee plenty of failure stories. There. Walt walking through there was like, what is this? And, and, and you got to remember that, you know, 50, 60 years. I mean, Chick-fil-A started in 1967 and now we're looking at Chick-fil-A like it's this unbelievable. It's taken that much time and the bananas are four years old. <laughs> so it's like, I look at that with a business, like you got to be able to say, hey, baby steps, baby steps. And then maybe in 30, 40 years, they're going to be like, wow, you guys do everything right. Well, it took doing a lot of things wrong to get there. For sure. Well, to kind of wrap us up, we always do some set questions at the end of every uh, episode, kind of our segment section. So start off here. What's a specific tool that's been a game changer for you guys over the last 12 months? Could be a new process that you guys have implemented internally. Could be a project management system. I, you name sure. it, but a specific process or system. Go ahead. One fan a day. And so this started for me Tell us about that. back in 2016. Uh, I chose the word of the year to be care instead of the uh, New Year's resolution, which would fail. I chose one word, which was from the book, John Gordon, one word. And I chose care. And I said, I'm going to hold myself accountable. I'm going to write one thank you letter a day. And I wrote to everyone in, uh, that from teachers to past coaches to authors to colleagues at work, anybody and everybody. And I did it for a year and it changed my life. And I said, I'm not stopping. So now four years later, 1500 thank you letters. I, I keep doing it. And what happened is by the staff started seeing me write these thank you letters, started seeing me light up by connecting with people like Simon Sinek, who called me and all these people from thank you letters. I was blown away that now everyone on our staff does one fan a day, whether it's a video that they do just with a selfie video, whether it's a text, whether it's a letter, just one fan a day, they thank them. And I think that is a tool, the gratitude tool that will change your business. We talk about all these big ideas. It's just thanking one person a day. And I finish a lot of my keynotes explaining that because you don't need to be a crazy guy in a yellow tuxedo, but can you tell one person that they made an impact in your life? It'll change everything. And everybody on the staff does that. It's not just the ticket sales team. It, yes. Oh yeah. And, and again, go back and we don't even have anybody that has sales in their title because we don't like, like sales. So it's all experience or director or coordinator, et cetera. But um, yeah, they all, it's one fan a day that we're constantly focused on. And when I go out to see the mail, when they come in to pick up all the packages, there's always all these letters with bad handwriting because we're not good at handwriting our staff, but we will put a thank you note there. You're right. Customer experience, right? It, a simple thank you. Gratitude goes a long way. So what's an initiative that you're working on in 2020 that you guys are especially excited about? Could be from the, the fans first entertainment business or Savannah Bananas or personally. Yeah, everything everything's our fans first workshop right now. Fans first you. I'm so proud of our president, Jared Orton. He is launching it. He's been speaking all over the country to YMCA's. He spoke at one YMCA event. Now they're booking them all over. And um, we're doing now workshops during the season where you get to see the behind the scenes. You come out with us the night before. Then you spend the whole day where we teach how to map this journey and come up with you wouldn't believe statements. 
And then they see the game and they see everything behind the scenes. And then the next day, they'll actually meet with some of our staff, our coaches. How do we make this happen? And it's a, it's a day and a half, really immersive workshop that we've been getting a huge response from. And it's, it's fun. And so we're excited to push that because in our vision of bring fans first to the world, it's how are we getting other companies, other teams, other people to really uh, deploy this with their teams. And that, that's exciting us tremendously right now. I love that. So for anybody listening, if you're, uh, you want to see more of uh, these actual ideas that Jesse's talking about, right, that could be a great opportunity to go learn some lessons, network with some other people, and actually see these, these principles in practice. So Jesse, any final words of advice or calls to action to our audience? Sure. On the back of our Fans First Playbook, which we have a playbook that we share with our whole staff, and you can actually download it for free on our um, on our Fans First U website. But on the back of it says, "Be patient in what you want for yourself, but be impatient in how much you give to others." And that is the foundation of what Fans First is for us. And when we started changing that, I had challenged with that beginning it was all about me grow, grow, grow. When you change that focus onto others, it's amazing what happens to your life, your business, your people, your culture. And uh, that's part of our mindset. So what today? What can you do today to give back to others? Be impatient in what you do for them. Fantastic. Well, Jesse, where can uh, people reach you? We'll list some of this on, uh, on the website in the show notes, but where can people reach you to get in touch? Sure. You can always reach out to me. I, I love being with you. I love what you're doing. So any of the, the amazing listeners here, reach out to, uh, you search Yellow Tux on Google. You search Yellow Tux on Google, you'll find me or Fans First You. That's where everything on our Fans First workshops or the Savannah Bananas and uh yeah, feel free. Reach out. Questions. I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn every day. And I remember when Mark Cuban, I read his book and I sent him an email the next morning. And he wrote back within an hour and it changed my life. I was like, this guy, Mark Cuban, has the time to write back. So if you reach out to me with a question or way I can help, I'd love to help in any way. Beautiful. All right. Thanks a lot, Jesse. Appreciate it. Hey, guys, before you head out, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate and leave a review. That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, we're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer-centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, visit engagementpartners.com to learn more. Download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us if you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives. Our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more revenue. So when you're with us, hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.